Hello, welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch, and it is sponsored, as always, by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis, five locations, stlmasses.com is their website. Check that out. If you're driving through St. Louis during the playoffs and you're looking for some good food, I'm your host, Brad, and I'm sure my guest today, Joe Madden, has gone to Masses Restaurants and his time's coming through St. Louis. He loves pasta. Joe Madden, thank you for joining me. Hello. Good to see you. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about it. I think everybody back there knows I grew up a Cardinal fan. Oh, my God, 64 was a magical year. And um, that's really where I, that's that's when really uh, galvanized or cemented within me. And my group was putting a roof on our house over in Hazleton. And uh, the bunch of dudes from Weatherly, they were all Yankee fans. And I was like 10 years old, and I just kept beating them down. And finally, the Cardinals won the World Series, so I won the whole argument. So let, we have to talk about that. So you, how did you become a Cardinal fan? Stan Musial, I think, is everyone's. Was it Camo X? Because you were in Hazleton. Tell me a little bit about your Cardinal connection. Yeah, I mean, well, it began, weirdly. Um, I, I, I'm really disappointed not more uh, love affairs with uh, sports teams should start this way. Uh, I was at Yankee Stadium with my dad, White Sox and the Yankees, 1963. And game over, they permitted you to exit on the field. So we exited from the third base side on the field, walked out through center field by the monuments. And uh, I walked out, and there's all these vendors out there. My dad asked, would you like a hat? Of course I'd like a hat. Which one? And I looked up, and I loved the old blue Cardinal hat with the red STL on it. That was it. That's how I became a Cardinal fan right then and there. And uh, from that moment on, I just started to follow everybody. Of course, Stan. Uh, but I mean, I was we're just talking about Mike Shannon. Uh, I've got to meet a lot of those guys, McCarver, Gibson, uh, Bill White. Um, Dick, I never met Dick Grove, but uh, I never met Kenny Boyer either. But Flood and, and Brock. I never met Roger Maris, uh, Ray Sadecki. I mean, all these guys that I had met back in the day. Uh, God, I, I just I was totally enthralled with all of it. Uh, I got to know Eddie Spezio. Wanted to meet Phil Gagliano, Jerry Buchek. Never got to meet these guys. Uh, but that's how much of a Cardinal fan I was. Bobby Tolan, a rookie. This is real. When you name Ray Sadecki, let's just say that, that we know that Larry Jaster, I'm sure, was one of your favorites. As well. <laughs> I knew Larry. I knew Larry from New Mexico. He was coaching out there, and he's the guy that the Dodgers could not beat. Yeah. They could not beat him, and uh, Kurt Flood, uh, Sandy Kopax could not get Kurt Flood out. Well, I mean, this is, you know, we could talk Cardinals all day, and we might. Who knows? But, uh, you know, as a kid growing up, my team was Vince Coleman, Jack Clark, Terry Pendleton, Ozzie yeah. Smith. And it's just amazing when we think of those names as Cardinal fans, we think of them as being great. And then you've got the new kids that come up, and they go Albert Pujols and Yachty and Wainwright. And it's amazing how, you know, there's not a lot of teams that go through, and you you might have two or three great players along the way, but you have a generation. I have my own generation my, my kid, stepson here, has his generation. It, it, it's, it, you know, the Cardinals just seem to figure out a way of, you know, it's a, when, you're, when you're around 120 years, you're going to have that. But just that success and winning and those great players, it's, it's amazing. Well, I'll tell you why. I mean, the thing, I was just talking about them, the Cardinals in the system a couple yesterday, it might have been yesterday or the day before. Uh, they do it right. I mean, they teach baseball. They are, and they're going to utilize information, numbers, analytics, but they teach baseball. They'll bring up guys. A couple years ago when Tommy Pham came up, I mean, what is a seven-year minor league guy? He comes up, he starts kicking your butt. Um, I mean, they have that. They have these these guys in in waiting. Um, and even like a Rosarena's got to go somewhere else, but he's still a product of the system. They do a great job of teaching the game of baseball. It's George Kissel from back in the day. 
he was in charge of all that stuff and Hub Kittle and these guys. I, that's what I respect most. I mean, you could talk about everything else, but I respect the way they go about teaching the game. It's still baseball there and to them. They're going to utilize new information and methods, and, I, and I'm into it. But at the, by the end of the day, they're teaching baseball players how to play baseball. And that, that's the secret there. That's the secret sauce. They haven't, they haven't uh, wavered from that. Uh, we always thought over where I used to, I used to work at Fox, but West for many years, that's how I met you the first time. You probably remember it, but you came through with, with Tampa. And I remember yeah. just having this long conversation. I walk in and there's just music booming from, which I thought was the clubhouse. No, it was your office. I, it was rock and roll. And I was rolling stone. You told me about everything. Um, and I said, man, this guy needs to manage the Cardinals. How, how do we get him here? So I think there's only one chance, you know, La Russa, you know, leaves in 2011. I thought, all right, they called Joe Madden. Did they ever sniff around? Did you ever sniff around? Was there ever any chance that you could have, it seemed like that would have been the only time, honestly, but was there ever a thought of you guys ever having a marriage or is it just, you know, Tony was here so long and then they kind of had this new way of thinking. There was no sniffing. <laughs> I said, I never, I never got, got involved in a sniffing contest. Um, no, um, when that all broke down, uh, yeah, I was with the Rays yet and I was very happy there. And then all of a sudden the thing happened at the end of 14 with my contract because Andrew had left and I get this, this window, I had a window and it was just ripe for the Cubs at that particular moment. Theo, uh, made me an offer. I couldn't refuse. He played the Godfather role and that was it. Um, so no, I mean, uh, yeah, listen, Cardinals have always, uh, always, uh, been near and dear to my heart, even like Yogi being from there. I mean, I love Yogi too. Um, there's so much there. There's so much, listen, history, baseball, history, tradition, things that aren't even spoken about anymore. Things aren't even hardly valued as much anymore. And you guys are just dripping with that stuff there. And that's what I'm saying. I appreciate the fact that it's not being let go. We're not just going to move on to this next uh, progressive thought or idea without really holding on to what got us at this particular point. That's what I appreciate and respect most about the Cardinals. Yeah, and it's, you know, interesting. We're going to talk about your book a lot here today, The Book of Joe, which is coming out and uh, written with Tom Verducci. And, and it's it's fun because it's basically each chapter is sort of a phrase. Uh, and I remember you kind of talked about you have these little acronyms on your lineup cards. And so now you've put it into book form. Each chapter, we said, you know, has a it's a phrase, but then you kind of give some uh, input into your your life and your teachings and people who have taught you and you get to talk about the Cubs and, the, and everything that so I got to read a little bit of it. it was great tell me the reason for the book at this point right now and just that that format that you used well uh the book's been in the making for a long time I mean 2008 when we went to the World Series with the Rays I got a lot of offers at that point I just wasn't ready to do something uh at the conclusion of my time with the Cubs I ran into Tommy Reduce and I said listen I'm, I'm, I'm it's about time I think I can do this now so we decided on, on, on getting together, collaborating on the book. But then here comes the pandemic, which, you know, awful, but for it, it permitted me time. I didn't have that kind of time to really just sit down and dig down deep. So what I did was for about three months, every bit of three months, I had a little Sony dictaphone in my pocket and a little microphone up here. I rode my bike every day in Arizona for three months in an RV park. I just spoke and talked and talked and talked. I'd send the recording into Tom. And he'd come back at me with direction and insisting that I get deeper in certain subjects or, or topics. And it kept evolving. And that's that's how it happened. It was 2020, pandemic, did all the taping. And then Tom just added his magical touch. I mean, the more I read what he has written, you can really see the, the brilliance of his writing, too. So 
I couldn't be happier first time around doing something like this that I'm able to work with a gifted guy like him that's able to set direction along with the publishing company 12, Sean Desmond, and my agent uh, there, David Black. It was, it's been a really interesting and uh, very interesting process. Yeah, these wordsmiths people like Tom Verducci, they just, I, I, they make me angry. I wish I could think like that. Like Bob Costas, they always have the right word and the right sentiment. And it's just gets makes like, I should be able to think like that. Why can't I think like that? That's like one of your boys from back there. I think it was Mark Twain that said the difference between the right word and the wrong word is like the difference between lightning and the lightning bug. I've always loved that particular phrase. And it's true. These people, I, I'm a Pat Conroy guy. I love Pat Conroy. Um, his books were a cut above everybody else's, I thought, exactly what you're talking about. Sir, I've often said I would have read Pat Conway's grocery list and have really been interested in it because some people are just able to use the language better than others. Well, and I will say, I mean, we, we used to have some fun with you because once you went to the Cubs as a Cardinal fan, now we can't really enjoy Joy Madden anymore. Uh, we right. did, but you always had these. You you always had these sort of sage thoughts in the middle of the season, and you know, here's how we would do it here. This is it, it, we would laugh like, oh, Joe's at it again, Mister Baseball. It was funny because you did. You always right. talk differently than most managers. You know, you did not just speak in sound bites and yeah, we played well. It was there was always more to it. So we always have to give you, you credit. Have to understand, I've been doing it for a long time, and that's the thing. I mean, I've I've uh, started in eighty. Uh, 81 and most of these guys haven't other than like a dusty or whatever and and I did everything I, I managed in rookie ball I scouted a territory I was a minor league uh, uh, coordinator I ran instructional leagues I was a hitting coach a pitch uh, I was a pitch coach for a bit hitting base running and, and catching were my were my majors and then you get to the big leagues and you kind of like I defined a way bench coaching was done in the, in the mid 90s a lot of the stuff that's done now or after that was because nobody gave you a handbook on how to be a bench coach. And analytics, as they are right now, I was doing that off of uh, stat sheets because there was not a, a baseball operations department that could take data or information off of a um, statistical sheet and break it down. But that's what I was doing all the time. So when I when people ask me a question, it's like I'm pontificating. You ask me a question, I'm just going to tell you uh, my experience and why I've arrived at this point because – it's never by the seat of my pants. It's always been well thought out. And uh, I've enjoyed that. And that's, that's the part I'm most grateful for. I got my job as a manager when I was 51, 52. So I had all these years in my background, and I'm really grateful for that. Well, we loved it when you did it in Tampa. Then you showed up in Chicago. We didn't like it so much. It was funny. Um, so, and you were with the Angels for so many years. You get to be their manager finally. Seemed like a great homecoming a couple years there. And then at the middle of the season, pretty early, they say, you know, we're going to change directions. Yeah. And I've read kind of some of the things you said. And we we were talking just earlier about the Cardinals and how they sort of mix the analytics. And I even said that you, you even may have said something. I don't want to misquote you, but players are getting too much information each day. Can, yeah. Can you talk about what that means, like each day, what was happening and, and uh, you know, where where that kind of breakdown happened? Well, I just, uh, in general, I mean, it's not just, it was not just in Anaheim. I think in every particular uh, major league city, if you were press people, they would actually agree with, a lot of them do because I'm getting texts and phone calls and stuff. Um, you could only, you could only hunt, hold on to so many nuggets going into and during the hot moment of a major league game. And you need nuggets. You just need a couple nuggets. I don't even, not even a handful, maybe two or three, something that gets you back on track, something that permits you to focus when things get into a difficult moment, they get you back here. The analytics, um, again, to me, the primary uh, purpose of analytics should be to acquire people. 
uh, i.e. that's why the Dodgers are so good. Andrew's got a great process and they're really good, not because their analytics are better during the game, because their players are better during the game. Who they got in the first place are better during the game. And that's that's never really spoken about enough. After that, analytics shines on defense, and it will always shine on defense. I'm curious, like with the, the new rule that's put in place with the uh, you can't shift anymore, there's still going to be ways to get guys closer to where the balls hit the hardest, second baseman and shortstop and the corner guys to still – still grab some line drives. And for me, that was always about we catch line drives. That was my motto with the Rays. And that's what uh, that kind of uh, analytical defense was about. You have to be where the ball is going to get the hardest because when the ball is hit softly, you get become a bigger defense. Next is pitching. Pitchers do get some um, good info, intel out of all this stuff. But again, you could only hold on to so much during a game. The catchers with their little wristbands and, and uh, they're always, uh, you know, clapping them back and forth. And I believe in that too. I do. There's got because there's nothing worse than when you make you choose the wrong pitch in the wrong situation, and you all knew this is not the right thing to do, but people forget. For that perspective, I'm really I was appreciative of that. But the hitters don't get anything, quite frankly. Hitters get very little of nothing out of all of this. So backing it up, I love analytics numbers. If I'm going to acquire you in the off season, it's between you and uh, another young shortstop. I need to really break this down a little bit more. Um, finite detail but after that uh give me a nugget for the the defense yeah go ahead kill yourself defenses aren't going to be wrong that's a large that's where the large sample size is not going to be deceptive but other than that i like trends because people change during the course of the season when it comes to pitchers and hitters things change and i've been after them for a while to give me some like give me a trend matrix not just this overarching matrix and they'll say well trends are built into it that's not good enough um, that's where experience does pay off. That's where 20 some years, 30 years, 40 years in the game, watching things matters. And so I want analytics put, um, to be separate and, and away from clubhouses and dugouts. I want them there, but I want coaches to be empowered again. And, and I, and I know, think I know you will find, I think you're going to get a better product. And I want the empowerment of coaches because these are the guys that have earned the right to be there. Other people have not earned the right to be in a major league clubhouse. And I absolutely firmly believe that. Yeah. I mean, we hear this, this, that the, you know, the office comes down with the lineup, hands it to the manager. I don't know how many teams are doing that. How many teams do you think do that? And it doesn't seem right. Right. I mean, as a, no, it doesn't. Then why hire a manager? That's what I'm saying. Then you should do it yourself. You put a manager in a really precarious position because he has to answer all the questions when things don't go well. And a lot of it is being given to him. Um, and actually, there's some managers I think that want to be given to them, too, because they haven't had the base uh, to develop a thought or an idea. This is how I'd like to do things. They haven't had the opportunity to fail on a minor league level to do those kind of things. Uh, but I think it's more than you know. And a lot of times there'll be a denial that, no, this is not happening here. And uh, we let these guys do these things on their own. But conversationally, it's always one where um, front offices or people in the analytical department will try to convince you. This is the right way to do it. So even your your even your independent thought is a kind of like a steamrolled via this groupthink execute talk, which I call it. It's just um, it needs to be it needs to be separated. Get us the players, give us the information, and they'll let us do our job. It's no different than uh, separation of power in government. There needs to be a separation of power. I think to have this all run properly. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny, as, as you're talking, it reminds me that you and Andrew in Tampa sort of kind of created this model to work together, but no one really is following the model. They're doing their own model, and now it's completely out of whack, right? I mean, it seems like, what was it, the differences between what you're doing in Tampa, you know, and then what's happening now? Well, primarily in Tampa, I mean, there was a lot of interaction and collaboration, but there wasn't dugout interference. There wasn't, uh, there the analytical department wasn't presenting to the players. It was the coaches that still were in charge of the clubhouse and the players. It's gotten to the point now where they're skipping the middle guy, which would be the coach, and they're going right to it themselves. And quite frankly, the, the analytical people will get defended more easily than the coach will when something breaks down. And, and that's, there's just all this disconnect. There, there doesn't need to be all this analytical interference in the game, and people believe it's the reason why some teams are successful or not. If that were the case, with all due respect, the Pirates, the, the, the Tigers this year, they all have great analytical departments. It has nothing to do with it. It's about the players and how you acquire players in the first place. So that's that's where uh, I don't think enough conversation is spent on that. I know people in rebuild, which is another thing that I'm really not into. Uh, the fact that you can take a three or four year period, uh, kind of a grace period to get things together, and, and there's no accountability for winning and losing. And what, do you, what does that mean to the fans? I mean, there's all of these different things to be discussed that I think uh, get lost in the shuffle somehow. Yeah. No, and as a fan, we kind of, you know, we take what we hear and it, it's it, it's seemingly, because you do, you hire a manager to manage the team. We, we, you know, we think of, again, Whitey Herzog, uh, Red Shandings. You know, I can't right. see Whitey having somebody come down and say, Whitey, you know what, you need to move Ozzy uh, to the to the eighth spot tonight. <laughs> get out of here. You know, it's like Whitey, Whitey had his own, it was up here, right? So it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I would like to believe we're going to slowly go start getting, I think maybe, I don't know exactly when, but I'd, I'd love to see the, the trend go back in that direction. And again, if you just want a middle manager in the dugout, if that's your desire and you want more control, then just say it. Just say it and, and don't run or hide from the, the post game or the questions that need to be answered when things break down. I mean, if it, they've broken down and there's this heavy influence coming from up top and the manager's really at the mercy of the direction that he's getting, um, something somebody needs to say it. And also on that subject, if I'm the manager, I'm going to give the front office a lot of credit because things are going well too under the same set of circumstances. So I assume it's been weird to be off during the summer, but kind of nice. I see golfing and grilling, a lot of G's. Uh, but yeah. we have the postseason coming up. I don't know if there's any TV work in your background or coming up, but there should be. But I want to think about 2023 for you. Are you interested in getting back in the dugout right away? What's your thoughts as you look forward? First of all, are you doing any postseason work? And then would you would you are you looking at anything that it's gonna be a lot of openings as always? So it's gonna be have to be the right fit. I'd assume. I don't think you're gonna go somewhere. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the the postseason stuff. I'm gonna do a podcast with uh, Tom Verducci on iHeartRadio. We just got that the groundwork for that laid down. I think it's going to be twice a week, and that's coming up starting next week, starting Monday. I think we're going to tape our first the gig on Monday. And then Sirius Radio, I'm going to do something tomorrow, uh, I think in the afternoon with Brad Lidge, and I'm not quite – and I think CJ Nitkowski. So I might be doing different things with them during the playoffs. Um, that's as deep as I wanted to go. I, I just um, – I don't mind, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I need to talk uh, because when you sit around all summer – and I've been playing a ton of golf, and I have been gardening, and I have been grilling, and I've having a blast. But if I'm going to get back into this, the fray, I need to keep my uh, the conversation going. I need to keep my thoughts rolling. So that's that's the selfish intent right there. But I'm looking forward to the uh, the new challenge. 
So that's primarily it. And then with the, the uh, teams itself, like you mentioned, um, I'm, I'm just curious. I, I, yes, I'm interested, but I'm also interested or, or, uh, who may be interested in return. Right. Um, you know, I, I know I'm saying a lot of things right now, but I'm just trying to defend the game. I'm not indicting any individual whatsoever. It's just the game itself. And it's, it's been out there that, uh, a lot of people are concerned about the, the method of the process of the game right now. And I'm just telling you from my perspective, um, uh, regarding people, I've, uh, the people in Anaheim, Perry, really dig Perry, Theo, me and P Theo tight. These are, it's not the point. The point is implementation and the imposition of the information, whereas real baseball people don't have a chance to do their jobs and real baseball people aren't even getting jobs. Uh, part of it I'd like to see is a greater uh, influx of former uh, coaches, really good coaches, back into your minor league systems, uh, imparting the game on the next layer or level of coaches. Nobody's coaching the coaches anymore. I was coached as a coach really well. Uh, mentioned Bob Clear a lot. You talk about George Kissel right there. You ask anybody, they almost genuflect when you mention his name or, uh, or Hub Kittle. They genuflect. But that's how the game was passed down. That's a big reason why the Cardinals have been able to, to secure uh, annually, decadely, whatever, the same kind of a game because it's been passed. And, and uh, you have to, you, there's an accountability to the way the game's played. I don't think that enough organizations are looking at it that way. Yeah. And, and luckily for the Cardinals, uh, Jose Oquendo still does it. You know, they yeah. keep him, he rows, and it's like he is becoming that, I mean, with, silently, no one says it, but he's becoming that George Kissel figure. And what's great about him, bilingual, I mean, he's just a perfect yeah. guy. So uh, well, we hope that uh, we see you in the dugout soon. It's fun having you in a dugout. This book, The Book of Joe, I can't leave without asking about the 2016 Cubs. I enjoyed uh, some oddly enjoyed the 2016 Cubs. I loved Wrigley. Uh, I, I hate the song at the end of the game, but I really enjoyed the team. And it made me realize where I really, it's all about what team do I enjoy? The 2016 Cardinals weren't as fun. I remember being there in 2015 for work as a Cardinal uh, employee or a Fox sports employee, um, home run over the right field scoreboard. Um, oh, who hit that? The lefty Schwarber, Schwarber. Yeah. Schwarber. Off Seagrist. And I said, well, this is what it sounds like when a window is closing and another window opens. So it was weird for me to watch you guys win because I was so conflicted. I enjoyed watching your games. How much fun? I mean, can you can you look back now and savor it? Or does it take you to be retired to say, I'm going to take the time to enjoy that? You guys are going to have a 10-year reunion here in a couple years. And, and those when, that's when it seems like it, it's kind of that nostalgic feeling. How, how do you look back at that year now? Um, being away from the Cubs as you know, three, four years now and, and just kind of maybe drinking a you know, nice red wine and, and thinking about that, that whole time. I, I don't, I don't get into it too deeply. I mean, I do think about it, but it's not a, a deep reflection right yet. Like you just suggested, I think it's going to happen over time. Um, but that group was very talented. Obviously it was very young. It was very charismatic. I thought, I think a lot of what you enjoyed were the personalities that we put out there every day. We were, we were interesting. We were, we were an interesting group. We were a loose group. Uh, there was not a tight butt in that whole, that whole team. We went out and we played, we did hard, but played it right. And I think that separated us from others at times. Uh, there was no fear. I, I like fearless groups and a big part of being fearless is you're not really concerned about answering the questions afterwards when things don't go well. And that to me is, uh, those are the guys I'm looking for. I'm looking for fearless coaches, fearless players, that's that's how you win because uh if you're always out there concerned about making a mistake or not winning you can never be afraid of losing 
And I think that's really what it comes down to. If you're afraid of losing, you're going to lose. If losing this is just another game, let's move it on. You're going to be just fine. So these are the things that I think really stood out about that team. Charismatic, young, lots of fun. Believe me, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And we were very tightly knit. Um, it's hard to duplicate the 108 years since the last one before that one. Uh, I hate to think that's going to be another 108 years, but man, it was, um, I was very fortunate to be part of it. I'd be okay with that, by the way, if it goes another 108. But I was curious because that was, you know, you have a team and you want to win a World Series, and now you're in, the, you know, game seven and we're managing. And then you have this burden of this goat and just people and Bartman and all these things, kind of, you know, and Theo had experienced it with the Red Sox, so he knew, but he wasn't in the dugout. Where does that come in where you, when you think about just the heaviness of that, that if, if we don't win this game tonight in Cleveland, you know, who knows if we'll be back here? Or is it too hard to even think like that when you're in the moment? I, it is. I, I never even thought that, quite frankly. Um, I remember sitting in the um, hotel room, uh, writing my lineup down, and I had my dad's hat with me. My, I carry my dad's hat with me. I put my dad's hat right on my lap as I was writing the lineup down for that day. Um, and I was never focused on what if, what if this doesn't happen? Um, what's the next opportunity? I never even, I never even thought about that. Um, it, I was I'm pretty good about um, staying with the, whatever the process may be at that time. What, what's the, what's the, what's the goal right here? Short term. Uh, what can I do? Uh, so that whether it's writing your lineup or, prepping for the game before and then playing it and then afterwards. So I never, I, there was never a consideration to lose. Um, so yeah, that was it. My, me and my dad sitting in that hotel room, writing the lineup down. And uh, I was, I was anticipating good. I love that you addressed the, all of this in the book, but the Chapman decision um, and just uh, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those again, where you you've been asked about it probably a million times, but you put it in the book. You just said, listen, you know, you go with what you think you can do. Um, things go well. You get a little rain delay. You get Jason Hayward to give a speech, and and then we're popping champagne. It's crazy. And the rest is history. It's it's a better story that way, isn't it? I mean, everybody after that, best World Series I've ever seen, best Game Seven I've ever witnessed, and uh, you get to be able to participate in it. How lucky are you? Who was your favorite celebrity? That uh, I mean, did you get to hang out with Bill Murray a lot? Uh, Eddie, v I, I have to thank the Cubs and you. I I got to meet Eddie Vedder. Um, a, a big Pearl Jam fan. Um, it was interesting yeah. to even have a, I, have a I, I had a conversation with Eddie Vedder because of you and your team. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, Bob Odenkirk, Jeff Garland. Jeff Garland's going to be a guest on the show. We're going to talk Cubs. But uh, and it was Bill Murray, the coolest guy. I mean, did you, did you savor any of that stuff? Or does that just sort of... Part oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, actually, Bill showed up at our, my event, right? I'm on my golf course here in Pennsylvania. He showed up at an event right around Christmas one year, and he was hanging out with my mom. Bill did that. Just drove over from New York City, about a two-hour ride in a pouring rain. Now, wait a minute. So he doesn't show up to movies that he's supposed to be working on, yet you get him to show up to your golf. I guess it's easier if you say, just play golf, right? I mean, How about it? I mean, I'm looking forward to the next time I do play golf. I've been around Joel a little bit. But Bill has been fabulous to me and my family. And Eddie, uh, Eddie and I stay in touch. Eddie and I, I think uh, we've known each other since I've been with the Cubs or with, began with the Cubs, but I feel like I've known him forever, and I think he feels the same way. Our conversations are so normal and um, and interesting. And he goes, even when he writes you a text, it's almost like lyrical. The guy just can't help himself. So Eddie, absolutely. And, uh, you know, John Cusack was there. John was a big supporter also. And you mentioned Jeff Garland. 
Uh, really, really cool guy. I like Jeff a lot. And he stayed in touch also. Uh, there's And the list goes on, man. It's um, it's a wild ride. I mean, uh, I even had Joe Namath to show up there the next season. Joe and I become friends, not because of that, but that's uh, just an ancillary benefit to the whole thing. All these guys, um, uh, uh, what's your name? Elizabeth Moss, a big fan. I met her in New York City. It's It's been really uh, a cool thing with all of these people showing up, and they are. Trust me, Belushi, they're real. They're real Cub fans. They're, it's not uh, not at all fabricated. These guys are into it, man. What was your favorite three concerts of all time? Can you name three right off the top if I give you an easy well, softball like that? Or Well, there's it's hard. Um, you know, I, I grew up a Springsteen fan. Grew up a Springsteen fan, Lafayette College, alumni gym. Can't remember what year it was. It's about as big as my room right here. That's when he was just starting out. Um, Phoenix from Asbury Park was coming out. Um, more recently, um, I got to see Eddie. I got to see Pearl Jam for the first time. I've only seen Eddie, but this this beginning of the season, I saw Eddie in Oakland. God, I so, I mean, I just maybe because I know, but they were so good. Um, I love that concert also. I know it's the other one I was going to tell you about. Shoot, um, Pearl Jam, Eddie, shoot. Bob Dylan. No, let's go. Uh... No, there was one other one. I can't, I had it in the head. Oh, oh. I uh, got my job with the Angels and I mean, with the Rays in 2005, I had been a coach. So the Stones played at Anaheim Stadium in 2005 in October, November. So I get to go there as a newly appointed manager of the Devil Rays and got to see all my guys there and saw Jagger and the boys there at, on, at, uh, on the field at Anaheim. So the Stones, um, Eddie and, and uh, Bruce. I believe James Dean is lurking behind you. What is the, uh, I always have to look around behind. Yeah. I have yeah, to look around. Uh, so what's going on there? This is, uh, yeah, he's that, that side and Marilyn's over here. Oh. Yeah, she's over there. Um, that's just with the water, wider lens. I've had them up for several years. My sister gave them to me as a, like a Christmas decoration. So when people like, there's all windows here. People drive around and they see James Dean in your living room or in your, in your sunroom. So I just never have taken him down, and he really enjoys these conversations. What's that thing right over your shoulder? It's got a circle. It looks like you put your finger on it and actually... Right? <laughs> How about it? I wish I could get that hooked up. And and my Salinas Angels, 78, that was the last year I played there. Uh, love Salinas, California. Well, I mean, this is fun. And uh, again, the book of Joe, it's just stories uh, that you've told, you've been told... Um, and it's, it's, it's baseball fans love baseball books. This is perfect for the off season or Christmas or gifts. I, again, I, I got a copy, started reading it, didn't put it down. It, I well, scrolled through as I do on a phone. Um, I really appreciate the time. Yeah. So what, what's, what do you got going on around the house? I like, it's just used a lot of golf grilling and it's gotta be weird, right? Just I to, if I could show you, if I could show you, I'm looking at the eighth green right there. Uh, the nine tee box is right there. The first fairway is right there. The second green's over there. And this third tee box is right there. Um, that's been a almost every day since I got back on July 1st. And not only that, it's in a beautiful valley. It's called the Cunningham Valley. It's magnificent. I've, I've paid big bucks to go to Austria and Germany and the Czech Republic and all over Europe to see the same thing I get to see here. And right now the leaves are turning colors. I, it's, it's one of the prettiest places on earth and I get to live here. So, um, Feel great about that. Tonight's uh, girls night out for my wife, Jason. I'm going to go over to the club here. Uh, Frankie's hired a new uh, chef at the Valley Country Club, so I'm going to get to go over there and test his fares. I, I cannot be uh, more pleased or happy with what I got going on right now. Lastly, I have to ask, I mean, who do you, 
I want. I don't know how to ask this because I want to know who do you like in the World Series? Who do you like here in twenty twenty two? Or uh, as a can you be a fan now and root for Andrew and the Dodgers? Or how do you? Who do? You, do you, is, that's what I'm trying to understand. Is like, do, who do? Yeah. Who, are you rooting? Or and can you? Or do you just sort of? I I just baseball. I like watching. Tell me how you're going to watch baseball yeah. in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if and when I do watch it, um, it'll just be watching baseball. I don't have a rooting interest right now. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I like that Buck is with Buck is done in, with the Mets. I'm, Buck and I become friends, so I'm interested. Excuse me, with all of that, uh, Snit down in Atlanta, what he's done down there, I'm really pleased for his success because we've kind of parallel, you know, how we got to this per, uh, certain uh, juncture in our lives. Um, so I'm digging on that. Uh, but on the American League side, Dusty is a favorite. To, like, I'm going with all the old guys, right? Um, so, but Dusty. And Booney and I are good friends. So I think it's going to come down to those two teams on that side. Uh, on the other side, it's going to be the Dodgers versus I don't even know who. Um, I, I think the Mets are going to be tough because of their pitching. They're starting pitching, although other teams have good pitching. But they're three guys, four guys. If they step up, they can be very difficult. Um, but I like Yankees, uh, Astros. That's really stepping out there. Uh, <laughs> Dodgers, and I just don't know the other side. But again, I... Um, my rooting interest is baseball. I want baseball to be known as a national pastime again. I want uh, kids to really get back into our game. I want real baseball being played, the liberal arts version where you have to, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, you cannot help but love Aaron Judge. This guy plays the entire game of baseball. There's, and, of course, he's known for his home runs right now. He just almost won the triple crown. I don't even know if he still has a shot. He's got a great arm. He runs the bases right. That's what I like to see. I try to say last question and then mean it, but I, I, you mentioned uh, Judge, and then everyone wants to go to the MVP race, and I forgot that I wanted to ask you what it was like just to be around Shohei and then Trout, of course. Um, what was it like to manage Shohei? How hard or difficult, or was it simple? Because every fifth day he pitches, and every other day he's hitting home runs and, and being the best player in baseball. Every sixth day, he yeah. would pitch right, every right, sixth right, day. Right. Okay. Um, what it was was this. We... That last year, we set up the, the policy, the, the method. The night before the night before any game, whether he's going to play the next day or hit or pitch, we would talk about what do you want to do the next day. So the day that he would pitch, do you want to hit on that day also? Or do you just want to pitch? Uh, after you pitch, the next day, do you want to play? I would ask after the game, I'd ask him and Ipe, Ipe's interpreter, how do you feel about tomorrow? Do you want to play or do you need a day? So we talked before every game, the night before every game, and the decision was his. Leading into that method, uh, talked to him about that before we took that leap of faith. Because everybody looks at it now like it was Aves. It's like common. It's, it's an easy decision. But we agonized over in spring training, went to let him hit and pitch in the same game, even in a spring training game. And then it became old hat. So once we established that method, it became real easy because there's nothing difficult about it at all. It was just a conversation every day. And he related to me, if his legs felt fatigued at all, that's when he thought he might want to back off. But he, I mean, my God, he wants to run all the time. The guy wanted to steal bases. The day he pitches, he throws 95 pitches, bend the bases three times. The next day he wants to get on and go. He's different. He's just different. Beautiful man. And he's got as great a feel for the game as anybody I've ever managed. Yeah, it's so fun watching him. Uh, the Book of Joe is the book. I, I've talked about it, but I didn't give you a chance to plug. Is there anything that you need to tell us about the book that maybe I didn't uh, pull out of you? Well, no, the the book, was in, the, the intent was, there's a couple of intents in there. One was to try to compare and contrast managing in the 1980s to present time. You already mentioned Whitey, Gene Mock, 
uh, Billy Martin, all those guys, Weaver. So that's that's a part of it. And the other part would be that hopefully um, it appeals to a wider audience than just baseball. You know, companies, teachers, CEOs, people like that that may find some of these uh, little axioms uh, don't permit the pressure to exceed the pleasure. Um, those kind of things um, embrace the target. And of course, it's just try not to suck, do simple, better. I mean, how this applies the five levels of being a professional that's all in there. But I think there's application outside of the game itself. And that was the reason why I wanted to wait. I didn't want it just to be a typical baseball book. It had to include more or else I would not have been satisfied. Again, it's great. I'm sure you can get it everywhere. Books are sold out. You Kindle and iPhone, Apple everywhere. So I'm sure everybody can get it. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate your time. And hopefully uh, you're back in 2023, not in the NL Central, but then we'd get to see you more. So maybe some more magic, some circus animals, all the fun that you bring. Uh, and uh, I sure, I'm sure a team will be very lucky to have you. And we hope you're back in 2023. I appreciate that. I appreciate the, uh, the mention of the book. And I appreciate the, some really outstanding questions. And I appreciate that, too. All right. We thank Joe Madden. And this is uh, Here's the Pitch. We thank you for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time.